ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. So a few years ago, I read what is now one of my all-time favorite books, Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle. And in the book, she talks about her struggle with her marriage and finding out that her husband is a sex addict and how she tries to hang on to the marriage and the ways that they try to hang on and how in that whole process, she discovers herself, her true self. And as I read the book, I was so captivated. I was so intrigued. And I would rack my brain what that must feel like to be her and think, do I know anyone like this? And then it was not long afterwards that a new coaching client came to me and shared with me that her husband is a sex addict. And the amount of self-doubt, self-loathing, feeling unbeautiful, feeling not worthy, unsure, what do we do with our marriage? Do we continue? Do we not continue? What about the kids? They have a great friendship. And it was like, there it was. And then I started researching and I realized that this is so common. So many women and men are living with partners who are addicts of sex, have addiction to porn, or are desiring someone, someone's, perhaps a different gender. They aren't even realizing that they're bisexual or that they are gay or that they are lesbian. And it creates so much distrust, so much trauma for the partner. And so as I started reading this, I also happened to start noticing that a soul sister of mine was going through this very same issue. And she was so beautifully public about her own experience and then would share that she had gone on to become certified in supporting people, supporting partners of sex addiction, that she became an expert and a life coach all around supporting someone with this betrayal trauma. And there are so many answers for couples, right? You could have an open marriage. You can have a, you could do this creatively. What I'm so curious about and so desiring is that everybody feels comfortable in themselves, that they can start having conversation about who they are and what they desire, and that everybody gets, that you all get exactly what you need in a relationship. And so I knew it was time I had to bring my dear soul sister onto the Purpose Girl podcast so that we could talk about this issue. And whether or not you are living with a sex addict, whether or not you have ever had this particular kind of trauma, we have all faced issues in our relationships. We all need to deepen and improve our communication. We all have been betrayed in a million ways, and we carry that betrayal with us for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And so that is what our guest is going to help me with today. Let me introduce you to my dear soul sister, Jenny Rochelle. Jenny is a life coach and advocate for women who have been impacted by their husband's sex addiction 
or have experienced betrayal trauma. She is a certified life coach, yoga teacher, and spiritual director. Jenny has been trained according to the multidimensional partner trauma model developed by the Association of Partners of Sex Edition Trauma Specialists. Jenny is also a poet, a wife, a mom, and a mystic. She loves butter. Thank the freaking Lord. Yummy, yummy. (laughs) Coffee, bacon, traveling, and pugs. Jenny, welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm so touched by your introduction and the things that you shared about Glennon. And Glennon's obviously a huge part of the community that I belong to, and her story was so powerful. Mm. So thank you. Oh, thank absolutely. You. Absolutely. And and I really have been witnessing you over the last few years as you so bravely and vulnerably have shared what you've been through. I literally can only imagine the pain of realizing that your beloved partner, who you said I do to, who you have a family with, is betraying you. And so, Jenny, will you begin with your story? Sure, sure, absolutely. Yeah, it was 100% the worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, and, and I love that you described him as a, my beloved, because he certainly was. He was the man I considered to be the love of my life. And, um, you know, it was a about seven years ago that I got a phone call out of the blue and I won't divulge the specifics, but it was the moment that I discovered and discovery is sort of a term of art in this community is when you discover that your, your partner, your husband is a sex addict. Mm. Um, And that was the worst day, the single worst day of my life. And, Mm. um, you know, it was one of those sort of lifetime movie moments where the other person on the end of the line is telling me this information. And I feel like I'm starting to fall into this black hole of like, and everything slows down. And I was trying to figure out who am I married to? Right. Right. And, and that was 2012. And it probably took me another two and a half years from that point to really get to where I was ready to deal with it. And, and I used to say that I kind of fell into denial. And I'll also share I'm a recovering alcoholic. I was still drinking in those days. And I used to sort of blame myself for that. But I realized now that it wasn't as much denial or it was denial, but denial is actually a symptom of trauma. Mm. Right? I experienced this profound trauma in that moment. And even though I had a therapist I was working with at the time, I went in and I shared with her what happened, but she wasn't trained to deal with sex addiction. And she did her best, but she really could not help me in that moment. And that's what I realize now. And so that's why, you know, I ended up doing what I I doing two and a half years later, I had another discovery with my husband, and found out more information. And that was when I was started to try to get serious and search on the internet. And even in just two and a half years, even from that moment, which was in 2015 until now, there's been so much progress in this community and so much more awareness about sex addiction itself, as well as the impact that it has on the partners, on the spouses. And so by 2015, was able to find a life coach who mm. was trained to work with partners. And she literally changed my life and helped me see that there was a process that I could follow and how to get the information that I needed and how to take care of myself through boundaries. We talked about something called a disclosure, which is a therapeutic process where they tell you everything that happens. And I went through that and there were polygraphs, which sounds crazy, right? <laughs> but I get so, it. Having worked yeah. with my client and I am not trained yeah. in it, But having worked with it, she felt that he was constantly lying to her. 
Yeah. She and, never and, knew and, what do I believe? He's saying, no, now it's over. I'm not doing that anymore. And she never knew what yeah. to believe. So I, I totally get this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is that sex addiction is such a shameful and debilitating disease that I personally do not believe and I'm not alone. They cannot tell the truth. It's too shameful without like being the threat or the duress of knowing that they're going to have to take a polygraph. And once you even get that scheduled, all this information starts coming out of them because they want to pass and they want to get better. Mm. But it's just like, imagine like a little kid who lies to you about breaking the cookie jar, right? right? No, I didn't break (laughs) the jar. And then you see, wait, you know, (laughs) literally like the top is broken or half the cookies are gone. Well, I just had one. And you're like, you didn't just have one. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you were. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably with us. I, imagine that that's not easy. And what I'm so inspired by is you've taken the greatest pain of your life and turned it into purpose. It's something I want to come back to and and we'll talk about because I think it's really the seed of a lot of our purpose stems from our pain. Mm -hmm. And so there you are, a wife, you get this phone call. I can imagine you don't even know, should I believe them? Should I not believe them? What's going on? Again, a couple of years later, and you're you're faced with this knowledge and what do I do? And I'm so inspired that you sought support. It makes perfect sense to me that you would feel grief. For anyone out there listening, what is sex addiction? So sex addiction is kind of interesting because first of all, it is no longer in the DSM. So it is no longer a, an actual diagnosis. The American Psychiatric Association took it out of the DSM. For everyone out there, DSM is the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual, which is what psychiatrists and psychologists will use to diagnose your mental illness, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorder, et cetera. So they took it out of the DSM. They took it out of the DSM and they were saying there wasn't enough um, data, empirical evidence to say that sex addiction was real and deserved its own diagnosis. And they also said that addiction has to be tied to a substance and not just like the chemical reaction or the reward center in the brain. And so they took it out. Um, but, you know, most of the people in the community, you know, are were sort of outraged by this. And we still talk about sex addiction, even though it's not a formal diagnosis. But it is a uh, compulsive and problematic sexual behavior. And so that's sort of the two key components is compulsive. It's just like any other addiction. They want to stop and they can't stop and it's problematic. Mm. So you, know, you talked about open marriages and pornography and, and there's lots of things that like within a consensual, it must be consensual. And that can be the tricky part at times with sex addiction In consensual relationships. You know, some of these things are completely okay. Mm-hmm. But what I tell clients is like, if it's a problem for you, then it's a problem. And I think that's like the number one takeaway when you're looking at your husband's behavior and trying to decide if it's a problem. And he may be either denying it or telling you it's not a problem and minimizing that behavior. But if it's a problem for you and your intuition is saying "Mm -mm, something doesn't feel right, then absolutely pay attention to that. Wow, this is so important because it was just in politics a couple of years ago. I'm not going to get into politics, but in the news, the whole boys will be boys. Right. Oh, yeah. This is just yes. what boys yes. do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which I think is a whole bunch of <laughs> bullshit. Um, because women have sexual urges too. And it's right. all a matter. Everybody has sexual urges. I think it's our core nature. Now you you might not have them right now for a number of reasons, but it's our core nature and we're at choice about what we do about it. So 
this whole boys will be boys, right? So there are probably men out there that just say, this is normal. It's normal mm-hmm. for me to cheat, you know, or it's normal for me to watch porn every day. And so a woman who's listening to this, and maybe you can relate it with your own experience, when they feel into something doesn't feel right, how do they start talking to themselves when society says boys will be boys? Right. Well, I, I think I love the word, the use of your word bullshit. <laughs> and I'm raising three boys and they will not act like that. <laughs> so, Amen, sister. So. <laughs> I actually, I think right now the women who are raising boys have a very special very special gift and have been yeah. given a very special responsibility. Not that it's your fault if if your boy is doing anything, of course, but we are living in a time where the toxic masculinity of aggression and inappropriate sexual behavior has been glamorized. And so right. I think you, those of you raising boys, I hand it to you because this is a special time to be raising really beautiful emotionally sensitive, conscious, respectful men. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is definitely part of my activism and one of the things I'm very passionate about. And we have lots of conversations about it's okay to cry and about meaningful consent. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And and I'll often pause movies from the 80s, you know, like (laughs) Wayne's World be like, you know, this is not okay, right? Right. like, yes, mom, we know. (laughs) Eyes roll, yes. (laughs) <laughs> totally yeah, but it's true but it's true but you know, i would also say like that's for for that woman who's wondering that's when it's really important right just to pay attention to that intuition and i know you know how important that is karen to listen to the messages in your body and what is your heart telling you and what is your gut telling you and find the right help like just reach out to someone um, who's been trained to work with either with sex addicts or partners of sex addicts and just talk about your story. And like, you know, for efficiency for me, I can't diagnose because I'm not a clinician, but I could listen and say, based on my experience, that could fit into a description of someone who has sex addiction. And so you talked about that. I'll add a little bit. So some of the behaviors that it can manifest as, as, as you mentioned, porn addiction, uh, compulsive masturbation, multiple affairs. Um, also, you talked about, you know, someone being unaware that they're they're bisexual or gay. It's actually quite common for men to have sexual relationships with other men and they're not gay because it's not about the intimacy or the attraction. It's about the reward payoff. So mm. it's not uncommon for that to happen. Thank you for clarifying that for me. I, I didn't know. Can we break these down a little bit, Jenny? Because yeah. mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of self-pleasure, of masturbation. Yes. <laughs> I, I have I done you. multiple episodes on it on the Purpose Girl podcast because yep. I think it's super important that we know how to please ourselves, that we bring ourselves joy and pleasure and learn how we can orgasm and why not. So w- when you say compulsive masturbation, how do we know if it's compulsive? So I think in the same way that at some point you have to determine whether or not you have a drinking problem, right? Or or like, or an eating disorder, like absolutely masturbation is a healthy, natural expression of our sexuality. And I certainly nobody in the sex addiction community wants to take that away from people, especially from women who are like, woohoo, let's let, like, finally, it's okay for us to do that. Right. But 
but it's just like it's compulsive it's like you want to stop and you can't stop right mm. and so it's like i'm not going to masturbate today but then you find yourself doing it anyway mm. and i wonder even as a replacement from your partner absolutely yes thank you for mentioning that absolutely if it if it is becoming if it's creating a negative impact on your intimacy and your connection and your relationship then that could be a problem Got yeah. it. And is the same true then of porn? Is there a healthy amount of porn to watch? You know, so my personal opinion of porn these days is that it's different um, than the porn that we sort of grew up with, with the hustler or the playboy or some of that. Um, and that is really is created to um, trigger a to trigger the reward center in the brain. And because it's so ubiquitous and easily found anywhere on the internet that you, you have to approach it more like a controlled substance. And there's a lot of great research on that. If you look at the effects of porn on brain, on the brain, on what that looks like. And again, if, if you're in the, in the relationship and it's consensual to each his own, but it is something to be to be aware of. There's a great website called Fight the New Drug that mm -hmm. talks about um, porn addiction. And it's written for like teenage level boys because the average exposure, average age to of exposure to porn is like eight these days because eight it is everywhere. On the, eight years old. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It, yeah. This is so different. I saw a TED Talk called The Great Porn Experiment. I don't know if you've seen it, Jenny. And any of you who are interested in this or you have boys, or even if you don't, I highly recommend it. And it really outlines how, exactly what you're saying, how porn is different today because mm -hmm. of the internet, because yeah. it's so easily accessible than it was of our, our generation. Boys were going to find their, you know, an old Playboy magazine and they'd keep it under the bed and th they would have one magazine to look at for a month right. <laughs> rather than <laughs> a new and, and, more pervasive image constantly. And a lot of what's in porn is not realistic. It's not representative of what sex really is. Right. It's not healthy. It it, it per portrays these negative stereotypes of women. There's often abusive situation portrayed. And then what's showing up is that there will be boys in their 20s who can't get an erection with a woman right? because it's not what they see in porn. Right, right. Yeah. This is exactly what the TED Talk says. Jenny, are those your dogs? And, yes, they are. That's our, well, that's our Labradoodle, Jesse, and our two pugs. Oh, yeah. I have a Labradoodle yeah. too. Well, I think what they're saying is, Mama, I want to be part of the conversation. I love they, it. <laughs> <laughs> they just responded. I love it. I love it. I love it. So as someone is listening to this, it sounds like it's addiction. When it's an issue, it's an issue, right? It's, is right. it an issue for you? Does it feel bad for me? the level of porn, masturbation, or attraction to other people that my right. partner has. Right, exactly. And so should someone talk to their partner? Do they first seek help? I think absolutely you want to talk to your partner and be aware, like I shared earlier, um, if they do have an active sex addiction, um, they're probably not going to tell you the truth about it. And because they really can't in that moment until they start to get some recovery. Also realize that most sex addicts, like their wiring for empathy in their brain is non-existent. So because in order to do what they have to do, they have to completely compartmentalize like 
you and your in your marriage with like the addictive behaviors. And so that's why they can totally engage in these things that you're like, I could never possibly do that to you. They can do that because in their brain, they can completely separate those two, those things. Mm. So reach out to them. I mean, talk to your, talk to your partner, but just still pay attention. They're probably going to deny it. Um, and they're probably going to engage in something called gaslighting. You're familiar with gaslighting? I am, but share for our listeners. So this basically when one person, one person tries to convince another person of a different view of reality, right? So I don't know if you've been watching the morning show, like the, oh my gosh. Okay. No. <laughs> It's crazy. It's, it's it's crazy. And then one of the characters is like who's been accused of sexual harassment and misconduct. It's totally oh, gaslighting, right? Okay. These other people. But it's basically he will try to tell you, he'll try to normalize and minimize his behavior and try to tell you that you're overreacting, right? Or that you're, you know, you're just being a prude or cold or frigid or or one of those one of those kinds of things. And it's you're making this up. You're you are always so crazy. Your brain thinks too much, whatever it might be. Yeah, you're overreacting, like any of those things. And that's all different forms of gaslighting. And gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse because eventually what happens is you start to doubt yourself mm. and you start to feel crazy. So just be aware of that and, and ultimately, you know, reach out to someone who can help you and like mm. get some information. There's a lot of great websites on the internet right now about sex addiction. Um, you know, some of the specific support you would reach out to is someone who's been trained according to the um AppSats, which I am trained, is also reach out to therapists who are uh, certified sex addiction therapists, who are their CSATs is what they're called. Got it. Got it. I imagine when someone is going through this, they do feel crazy because their partners are gaslighting, telling them that they're making a big deal of nothing or that it's not happening when they may have evidence or just that intuition and I imagine that at that point, someone, yes, needs help and needs a great deal of self-compassion and self-love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how did you just start with that kind of journey to trust yourself again? So I think what really changed for me was at one point when I, back in 2015, when we had that second discovery that I mentioned, and I knew that things had to get better. And I started trying to find, I started Googling on the internet, trying to find someone who could help me. I ultimately found a life coach. Also found a a blog post written by a partner of a sex addict who, which was the first time that I read that, you know, we actually were experiencing betrayal trauma. It's actually even more than betrayal trauma. Partners of sex addicts experience multiple different kinds of trauma. I had been minimizing, you know, what had happened to me and, and mm. think, oh, it's not that bad. But think what happens is we want to do that. We don't want to believe that our loved one, right, is capable of doing something so terrible and so painful. And, um, and actually for many, many years until just very recently, partners of sex addicts were labeled as codependent and co-addicts. Ah. And we were actually blamed and considered to be participating. In oh, that is disease. infuriating. That is infuriating. absolutely infuriating. Absolutely That's ridiculous. Infuriating. I mean, I'm so yeah. glad that it's no longer considered that, although I would like to see the American Psychiatric Association go back to seeing sex addiction as, as a real thing. I imagine, too, that then there's a lot of self-doubt about your own attractiveness, your own beauty, your own worth. 
Absolutely. That's a very common response for you to feel like, well, if I was more of a woman or maybe if I was thinner or prettier. And unfortunately, it is also common for partners of sex addicts to experience what's called treatment induced trauma, which is where they go to a helping professional and they're either treated as a codependent or a co-addict or mm -hmm. even in terrible cases, they are suggest gets things suggested to them like well maybe you should have more sex with your husband which oh. is outrageous and so i say right now if you are worried if you are a part of a sex act and you have any helping professional saying any of those things to you walk out the door immediately <laughs> do not go back to run away again. and run away yeah and please hear that this is not about you this it's isn't because you gain 10 pounds. This isn't because you wear sweatpants. This isn't because of anything. You haven't dyed your hair. Whatever is the stuff that either your partner might have said to you or you might be thinking to yourself, this is not about you. You are beautiful and you are worthy of the kind of love that you deserve. Absolutely. Okay, before we continue, you guys, I have to tell you something so exciting, like the best news. Okay, in last week's episode, I told you that I was thinking about starting a coaching group for women who want to live their purpose. You want to take your message out in the world. You want to start a coaching business. You want to be a business boss, badass babe, all based on your purpose, all based on your heart and your soul. And I got amazing feedback. Like I wasn't sure if I was going to do it. And then I started getting emails from you guys. And on the Purpose Girls Facebook group, I put out who has a dream in 2020. And so many women said that your dream is to start your purpose business. And I was like, okay, universe, I hear you. So you all have asked for it. It is on. The Purpose Girl Business Accelerator is happening. And I am so excited. So this is going to be a small, intimate group of women who are ready. They are saying 2020 is my year to truly put my purpose out into the world. We are going to get super clear, like so clear on your vision, on your mission, your message. Who is your tribe? What is it that your purpose is calling you to say and to do? We are going to get so clear on your offerings and so clear on what your special magic is to bring into the world. We are going to bolster your courage. Like you are going to get visible AF, right? Visible as frick, okay? <laughs> you are going to get so visible because we are going to work on your courage and give you the courage. And I have challenges that I've set up where there are going to be some five-day challenges in the group. There are going to be some 30-day challenges in the accelerator where you are going to really get the courage and the confidence. So each month, we're going to have a different theme, a clarity, a courage, confidence, and creation so that you can truly put your creation out into the world. It is going to be a small group with me as your coach, a combination of group coaching, individual coaching, as well as modules that I'm going to give you. And there's going to be special bonuses. Like we're going to do a bonus on how to start a podcast, right? Like we are going to give you special bonuses. We're going to talk about how to get out there on social media and everything. And it's the most important thing is having that sisterhood, the other group of women who are all cheering you on. Because 2020, girlfriend, it is on. The Purpose Girl Business Accelerator is on and I'm so excited. If you want to be on the VIP invitation list, like before I promote it, then send me an email, right? Go to purposegirl.com, click on contact me, send me an email, or just send it to karen at karenrockkind.com. Karen at karenrockkind.com. 
Super simple. It's in the show notes. Send me an email so I know to send you the invite first so you can be one of the first people. Okay. Now, Jenny, let's continue. I'm curious about the moment that you realize this is your purpose, right? Like I talk a lot on the Purpose Girl podcast about pain to purpose and have had my own experiences of pain to purpose, that it was being robbed at gunpoint that got me to finally Mm -hmm. do this work in the world because I realized that life was short and I was about to die in that moment without ever pursuing my dream. And I was abused when I was 17. I was in an abusive relationship. My very first love physically abused me. And because of that, I am convinced that that is why I now treat every single woman with respect and want to see her thrive and want to see her live her dreams. And so here you've taken this horrifically painful experience and shifted it into your purpose. How did that come about? Well, as you know, Karen, several years ago, I um, quit my corporate job and started a, co- a life coaching business and was just coaching on, you know, um, similar to what you do, find your purpose, your true calling. Um, and it wasn't like my place. And I knew that it wasn't my place. And then in the middle of that, I had this second discovery. And so um All of that life coaching business got put on hold as I started to sort through this process. But early on, my intuition said that this was actually what I was going to do with it. And there was actually a Mm -hmm. moment where I was headed out the door to meet with my life coach because I had found her by then. And I picked up the book, Conversations with Meditations from Conversations with God. And I read the meditation for the day. And I can't find it. But it basically said that none of God's messengers have ever gotten through the world without being defiled. And are you willing to tell the truth for me? Mm. And I was like, yes, yes, I'm willing to do that. Oh, wow. (laughs) This is, let's pause for a moment. I'm so reminded of Moses in the burning bush. Right. Yeah. Whether someone listening to this is religious or not, there is the story of hearing your calling. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that we hear it. Yeah. We then often just say, oh, I can't do that. I can't afford it. Who do I think I am? That's stupid. Fill in the blank. Yeah. And you heard the call. Like, this is your calling, Jenny. Are you going to step up? And you said, yes. I said, Yes. I said, yes, that is so incredibly brave. And, you know, and it took me then trying to figure out another, another couple of years. Am I going to get divorced or not? And then after I got divorced and there was some hemming and hawing and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. God, you're crazy. <laughs> I know I said yes, but I didn't really mean it. But I didn't really mean it, right? <laughs> I meant. Really? Yeah, right. <laughs> I bet if it was easy or if I meant, if I, if it meant I didn't have to like, somehow become the poster child for sex addiction, which I have. Right. If I didn't have to divulge my whole true self to the world. You know, I've always said, you know, there's that question. If you could ask God one question or when you get up to heaven, what are you going to ask? And my question is this. Why did you make our purpose so hard to live? Like if it's our purpose, why didn't you make it easy? This makes no sense. <laughs> like, it's true. It's true. Right. And, um 
Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm working on a, a master's in spiritual formation at the Episcopal Seminary here in Austin. And, mm. and my advisor, you know, she said to me, you know, our, our vocation always asks more of us than we really want to give. Mm. So mm-hmm. when you're in that moment, and then you know, that's really what God is asking you to do. Yeah. So how did yeah. you get over those voices that said, no, I'm not going to do this. No, it's too hard. You know, time. Uh, trauma therapy, you know, spending some time on my own, learning to be the love of my own life and and getting Mm. to, you know, falling in love with myself. Mm. And, you know, and then ultimately, as you know, I got remarried this last May and I had, and then I started the coaching business and then I started dating. And let me tell you, that was really hard because I had all this PTSD come up as I'm trying to be vulnerable. I can only imagine that. (laughs) how difficult it must be to start going on yeah. dates and how it would be nearly impossible, at least for me, to not see every single oh, person yeah. as someone oh, yeah. who could potentially betray you. This is something that Josh and I still talk about. The yeah. abuse that happened to me at 17 still makes oh, its way into our marriage at 45 yeah. because it's so easy for me to not trust and protect myself based right. on that. And so there right. you are dating. Mm-hmm. And the old PTSD is—it's not even old; it's fresh. It's coming, yeah. <laughs> coming up. Yeah, and yeah. you meet your husband. Congratulations again, by the way. The two of you are Thank like you. beyond adorable. Like every picture <laughs> I see on social media, I'm like, oh yeah, this is so good. Girlfriend deserves it, you know. <sighs> and so, how did you allow yourself to trust and open up? So I think you know what I met him. Um, and, and I met him sooner than I had planned, like in my timeline of dating, but my gut told me that he was a good man. Mm. And, and I knew that I had to do a certain amount of healing and I could either do it with him or I could do it with somebody else. And so my gut said that this was the right man to do it with. And so I was very open with him from the beginning about my story and he was, and I put him through the ringer and we had every possible uncomfortable conversation about porn and masturbation and affairs. <laughs> yes. You're like, I know it's my second date, but how <laughs> Let's much talk about porn. <laughs> how much porn do you watch? Yeah. Well, and this is important in someone who really loves us, someone yeah. who is the right person for us. They're going to be right there. Yeah. Not only okay with the conversation, but wanting to have it because they want you. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so how beautiful that you then were able to have those conversations with him, open up and trust again. I can imagine people out there listening and, you know, someone listening, it might not be that their partner or ex-partner was addicted to sex, but may have cheated on them, betrayed them, mm-hmm. or left them. I mean, there are so many ways that we become right. betrayed. And I, I know you use the term betrayal trauma. Can you share more of what that is? Sure. So that's a, actually a pretty broad term um, that was developed by a woman named Jennifer Freyd. And she was really studying children who uh, were physically abused. But basically, anytime you have a person or an institution 
um, that you rely on for safety and security, if they betray your trust, hmm. that's betrayal trauma. So think about the Catholic Church, or we think about in terms of a marriage. So absolutely, your husband doesn't have to be a sex addict. He could have cheated on you one time, and you were ex- you will probably experience betrayal trauma, or multiple times you experience betrayal trauma. Does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm hearing that it's not just in terms of marriage. Right. It could be right. husband, certainly could be your wife. It also could be what happened to me at 17 or like you said, an institution mm-hmm. in the case of if someone had a teacher and they found out that the teacher was cheating the school or was right. hitting on or creating a relationship with another student. I mean, there, it sounds like there's a lot of ways that we then end up in betrayal. Absolutely. And so what do we do with that? So you talk about it with, you know, uh, with a clinician, with a therapist, really. And and if if you find a good one who, who's trauma informed, they'll understand. I, you know, Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote The Body Keeps Score, he talks about undiagnosed, untreated trauma is one of the greatest health crises of our time right now. And we're all walking around with trauma that we haven't treated. Mm. Um whether it starts with, you know, capital T trauma or little t trauma, mm-hmm. like the cumulative effect are both are the same. Mm. And so experience something like that, absolutely reach out to a mental health care provider and get some support. Mm-hmm. And I love that you're bringing up the big T and the little T. Right. Yeah. So how do yeah. you define big T and little T? Because I also use the same. Yeah. You know, I think big T, we think about like, you know, um, domestic abuse or rape or a car crash or something like that. But little T, right, that could be the little cumulative things like when I was talking earlier about um, gaslighting, you know, so if your husband lies to you every day for seven years, those have a cumulative effect on a person. Uh, All those littles become a big. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think of little T's too as someone who, when you were in tenth grade, your girlfriend suddenly stopped talking Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. Right. Or one of my coaching clients, she had a memory of being in middle school, and no one wanted to sit with her at lunch. Mm -hmm. And you know, if we didn't know better, we might just say, "Oh, that was just being in middle school and get over it now." But that's traumatic to a twelve-year-old, and so there can be all these little tease. And she'd say, well, I wasn't abused. You know, I wasn't, no one hit me, but it leaves its mark, right? Yeah. Yeah. It really leaves its mark. So you were talking about how you turned this pain into purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you heard the calling, you were dating, you decided to trust your husband, which is so beautiful. And I love how you said I could heal with him or with someone else, because I think we really do need to heal with someone. Yeah. And then you took a leap and said, all right, I'm going to go get this training. Yeah. And that's courageous, girlfriend. Thank you. (laughs) Tell us what the multidimensional partner trauma model is. So it was developed by ATSAT, so the Association of Partners of Sex Addiction Therapists, um, which was founded by an amazing woman named Barbara Steffens, who literally wrote the book, Your Sexually Addicted Spouse. So she was one of the, the at the forefront of changing this co-addict, codependent model to the trauma model. And so it is rooted in the trauma model, and it breaks down like all the different ways, all the different dimensions that a partner of a sex addict needs to be treated because they've experienced like five different kinds of trauma, like relational trauma, sexual trauma, um, treatment-induced trauma. Mm. And so trying to approach this woman from that perspective and make sure that all of her needs are being met. Mm. It's That is so true that there's multi-dimensions to this trauma. 
And that is so important to think about that it's relational. And can I trust someone again? Can I trust this person? Can I trust anyone again? Sexual, because you have been violated. If you mm-hmm. uh, if someone has been cheating or if someone has gone out and they've had other partners and you weren't aware of it, you've been sexually violated. Even if someone is watching porn, 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 and they're not creating intimacy with you, that's sexual violation. Right. So when we look at this multidimensional model, then someone like you who's been trained in this, you're supporting someone from multiple angles. Right. Got it. And and so does that make you a therapist, a coach? How does this work? So no, I'm I'm a coach. So AppSats is really great and like they see the importance of coaches as part of the team. Like it really takes a team. I had I had two therapists, two coaches. <laughs> Wow. And, and because one hour a week and, and with a therapist is not enough for the women when they're when they're in the thick of it and trying to sort through whether or not they're gonna stay, they're to go and the right kind of help and experiencing such profound trauma. Partners of sex addicts report trauma, 76% report trauma on the same level as someone who's experienced a violent sexual assault. Wow. So it's it's serious. And so you, you need a lot of support in this process. And so the AppSec community sees the value of coaches mm. and therapists. Mm. So they train both therapists and coaches. Got it. So tell us what you do as a coach of women who have experienced or are currently experiencing a partner with sex addiction. Sure. So I think the most important thing that I do really is I listen to their story. You know, people, women who have experienced this, have a need and it's a trauma response to tell their story over and over again. And so I do a lot of listening. I've also developed um, my own trauma-informed integrative approach um, that has six different elements um, that I take women through. And we it starts with um, safety, support, sisterhood, a strategy for how you're going to move forward, as well as your spirituality. One of the things that I didn't mention was in addition to the other traumas I already talked about, you also can experience spiritual trauma or existential trauma because it is such a terrible and painful thing that you can't wrap your brain around. Mm. You start to doubt who you are and your identity. It changes how you think about yourself and about the world. And it for sure can impact your relationship with your higher power or God, because you're like, God, how did you let this happen to me? Mm. Where were you? Why didn't you stop this from, you know, from, from me experiencing this suffering? Mm, mm. So Jenny, is this the work that also helped you to go into recovery from alcoholism? You know, I, I knew actually, um, I'd been in recovery once before and had started drinking again as a part of the marriage that I was into the sex addict. And I won't blame that on him. Although sometimes I, I have friends that have joked that, well, no wonder he were drinking, but that was all up to me because I'm an alcoholic. But it was early on when the first discovery happened, I knew that everything was going to change and I knew it was going to, I already knew it was a problem and I knew that I was going to have to quit drinking. And it really, it wasn't until after I quit drinking that finally things really started to shift in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all done it. We numb out, right? You have a bad day at work and you have a glass of Chardonnay or you're super stressed and you're like, all right, I'll have two glasses. Or maybe you're somebody who then smokes a little marijuana and, or you shop or you watch Netflix all the time, right? We numb, we numb, we numb. And I think it's so incredibly brilliant and brave and strong of you to say, no, the drinking was mine. Mm -hmm. And for you to say, I'm going to get that 
in order. Like I'm going to get my own house in order. Yeah. And then be able to look at, okay, what am I doing with in the marriage and what's going on here? It's just so right. incredibly brave. So Jenny, women who are listening to this and they are perhaps for the first time hearing that they're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Where can they find you? Um, so JennyRochelle.com. Absolutely. Um, you can go there. And I have created a free guidebook um, that lays out the uh, my trauma-informed integrative approach that I was talking about. And you can go to sexaddictionguidebook.com and download it. Mm. It's 30 pages. It's full color. It's super beautiful because I love pretty things. And absolutely. <laughs> Awesome. That's a great place to start. <laughs> it's so incredibly generous to give this guidebook and we will put all those in the show notes. So Jenny, before we wrap up, there is one thing I like to do with all my guests and it's called a purpose power play round. And okay. I'm going to ask you a couple of very random questions. Are you down? I'm down. All right. Purpose power play round. When you were a little girl, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh my gosh, I wanted to be a writer, I think, from a very early age. I wanted to be a writer. Also wanted to be a librarian because mm. I love books so much, but I, I just wanted to be able to give them to people. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I love that you've written a guidebook. And I know you have other books in you. Too. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Perhaps it was really yeah. just finding what's the topic, what's mine to... To share with uh, absolutely. I'm definitely working on turning this book into actually one of the things I'm working on in my uh, master's program is developing a curriculum to take into churches and for, into work with spiritual caregivers to care for the souls of partners of sex addicts because they do experience such profound spiritual trauma. Mm, mm, so important. So important. Thank you so much. Question number two, who inspires you to be better? Oh my goodness, my kids. <laughs> my kids. Yeah, you you asked me earlier too about how I, you know, how I came to do what I do and the pain to purpose and one of the reasons I ultimately finally said yes was because, you know, um, you know, I have a son with my ex-husband who's a sex addict and and my ex-husband, he's in recovery and I believe he he is working a program and being the best human in the hand. He's a good dad. But as I tried to figure out whether or not I could talk about this out loud and the impact on my kid, the, the thing that I came to realize was the only way for him to grow up and not be ashamed of who he is and of his dad was to create a world in which we talked about sex addiction openly. And that began with me. So <laughs> I didn't really want to do it. But <laughs> there it is again. No, 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 no. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. yeah. How beautiful. How powerful. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine that he loves both of you and wants absolutely. you both to be your healthiest selves. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. Last question. Okay. One routine that everyone should do every day or that you at least do to keep yourself healthy. Oh my gosh. You know, um, some sort of quieting morning routine to, you know, calm your nervous system. Um, I'll journal and pull a card and just sort of read over the meeting a few times and just sit in silence. And if I don't have the time, just just pull a card and sit for a few moments. But just really one of the powerful things that partners of sex addicts can do is learn how to regulate their own nervous system. Mm. So yes. Mm. Yes. And we do that with quiet morning time. Yes, we do. I tell my <laughs> 
you know, it's like if you're somebody who you suffer from anxiety disorder or you get, you know, panicked or in the mm-hmm. doing, 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 in the middle of that, it's hard to actually be able to regulate your nervous system. Mm-hmm. If you practice that every day or, you know, in some way where you're pausing to take a few breaths, you're doing something for yourself in the morning. I love what you're saying, Jenny, pull a card. There are so many wonderful oracle cards and decks and yeah you know, things out there, you will have more access to it. You will calm yourself down. You'll have more access to it when you need to in the moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jenny, it has been such a pleasure having you here on the Purpose Girl podcast. I am so inspired by your story. I'm so inspired by your vulnerability and your bravery. Thank you for sharing so openly. And I am so excited. I don't know if that's like a weird term to use around this, but I'm excited that you've turned to the point into purpose because I know that there are so many women out there who didn't know where to turn, who've been looking for this support and didn't know. And so thank goodness that you said yes to your calling. Oh, thank you, Karen. I'm so thrilled to be on your show. Your work means so much to the world and I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. And for all of you out there, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. We hope that you really got so much out of it. If you did, please pause the podcast for 60 seconds, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave your five-star review. It literally takes 60 seconds. You can leave one sentence and your reviews are what is making the Purpose Girl podcast known all over the world. Women are finding us because of you. One of the things that Jenny mentioned is sisterhood. If you haven't yet joined the Purpose Girls Facebook group, what are you waiting for? Jenny's on it. I'm on it. We post inquiries every single day, journal prompts. We want to hear you celebrate. It's great stuff. Come on over there. Of course, if you are like, what is my calling? How do I turn pain into purpose? You can get my free living on purpose guide and join my newsletter every single week. I come out with different tips about how to be your most empowered self, how to live your purpose, how to truly live your dreams in life. So make sure you go over to PurposeGirl.com and download that. And of course, the most important thing you can do is to share the Purpose Girl podcast with every woman you know. I'm sure that you have friends who could relate to this episode. I'm sure that whether it's your mother or your daughter, people can relate to this betrayal trauma. So share the Purpose Girl podcast with every woman you know. That is how we change the world one woman at a time. As always, my loves, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.